Hey, welcome NFL football fans. It's that time again. It's time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production. Here we are in the year 2018. Two weeks are already in the books of the NFL season, and, well, a lot of surprises. We've got uh, backup quarterbacks throwing for, what, 400 yards every week. Uh, teams that we thought were going to be good are not. Uh, winless teams abound. Uh, how are the rookie quarterbacks doing? What's the situation in Pittsburgh, which looks like it's facing just an unparalleled amount of turmoil? And then we'll go ahead and get you to the picks of week three, uh, some gambling tips, and also some expert fantasy football advice from our resident expert. So let's go ahead and get started. But as you know, I do not work alone here. I do enlist the help of the very, very best. So here he is, the man many of you already follow on Twitter, at Chris L Sports. And if not, you should be. He is my very favorite East Coast intellectual, the pride of Rutgers University, none other than Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's up out there, man? Charles, great introduction as always. Much appreciated. And I can assure you, unlike Vontae Davis, I will not quit at halftime of this episode. Okay. Well, oh, that's refreshing to hear because otherwise I'd have to, uh, you know, your salary, your bonus would be in question. But, hey, you know, listen to this. Now we've got the, the Steelers, the Giants, the Raiders collectively have not won a game yet. We've got Tampa Bay Buccaneers sitting at 2-0 and with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing for 400 yards every week. And uh, Antonio Brown now possibly requesting a trade from the Steelers. Le'Veon Bell still holding out. Vontae Davis was the player who retired at halftime. I don't know. If I was playing for the Buffalo Bills, I might retire at halftime, too, with their what's their point differential, minus 55 after two games. But it looks like uh, we're looking at the end of times here. Things are crazy. Yeah, it really has been a bizarre first two weeks, and I get it. You know, not a heck of a lot of defense and sometimes some, some rust and things to work out, but this is insane when Ryan Fitzpatrick is not only putting up numbers, he, he may steal Jameis Winston's job away from him when he returns from suspension. So uh, I think you mentioned the Steelers, Raiders, and Giants. These were teams that supposedly uh, was bringing in Gruden, the Giants bringing in Pat Shermer, new GM retooling the offensive line. And even without Le'Veon Bell, they've got James Conner, but apparently they haven't uh, – address their issues. It continues to be a thorn in its side. Giants, OL, Raiders defense stinks again, and Gruden can't get the offense going. So uh, those three teams right there, they don't get, I mean, it could really be a downhill slide for those teams. Yeah, that's true. And I think they were giving the stats on Monday Night Football over the last uh, 20 years as far as teams that have started the season 0-2, and we left the Seahawks out of that equation as well. Uh, started the season 0-2, only 10% of those teams go on to uh, make the playoffs. So definitely they're kind of facing dire straits there. But I think the thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this has to be the disappointing thing for uh, the fans, the team owners, the players themselves, this is probably the best trio that they have ever had. We look back to the different eras. We have uh, obviously Bradshaw, Swan, and Stallworth as far as the QB, the running back, the wide receiver combos. And with, with Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown, I think that's probably the best trio they have ever had in the history of this franchise. You know, all due respect to Heinz Ward and Fast Willie Parker when they won the Super Bowl. But it looks like uh, and, and year after year, 
And now it's finally coming to light when you look at the dysfunction happening. But when you take a close look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think over the past five years, let's call it five years, there has not been a more disappointing team. Playoff flop after playoff flop after playoff flop. And now you got Bell holding out and Brown maybe requesting a trade. We don't know. Yeah, we've talked about this as recent as last year. Mike Tomlin, as crazy as it sounds, has to be on the hot seat. I mean, he's underachieved in the playoffs. Rumblings that he's lost the locker room. You look at Antonio Brown now, Bell not wanting to show up. Even last year having some issues where Bell was uh, what, showing up right before games uh, uh, for warm at. So, yeah, I, I do think, you know, you've got to move him to the front of the hot seat if the, the wheels really do come off here. I mean, we could see a major sea change in Pittsburgh. And let's not forget, Big Ben's getting up there in age, uh, late 30s. He's taking a lot of hits. He's not going to be quarterback of that team much longer. So they need to think about an heir apparent. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, looking at this week's games, one thing I wanted to look at, and I know they kind of put some stinkers on Thursday night here, but the Jets versus the Browns, which was scheduled for Thursday night, I think they had to be thinking it would be Sam Darnold versus Baker Mayfield going into this uh, Thursday game when they made the schedule. But Mayfield hasn't taken the field yet. And when I look at the Cleveland Browns, it's just sad, just trading away Josh Gordon. Now, I understand he's a problem, but what do you think you're going to get in the fifth round, which is what they traded him to the Patriots for as a fifth-round pick? But the Browns, if they knew anything about winning football games, they'd be 2-0 and right now. The Browns are a lot better than their record. I never thought I'd say that about the Browns, even when they're going 0-16. But this team is better than its record. If this team knew anything about winning, they'd be 2-0 and right now. And really, you'd probably be setting the over-under at, at probably seven or eight games for them to win this season. Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, as much as I love to blame Hugh Jackson for being an up head coach and uh, acting like he's won 11 games in two years as opposed to one, that at this point, I don't know who to blame for Zane Gonzalez because the guy clearly, he shanked the field goal. I could have won an overtime in week one against Pittsburgh. Then last week, missing extra points and a field goal. I mean, it came out that he was injured, but regardless, I mean, you get paid to do one job and that's to make kicks in the NFL. And I'm sure the Vikings felt the same way about uh, Daniel Carlson. They actually wasted a draft pick on, but you know, the, the Browns have a kicker at the very least. They're one and one. And what I'm most impressed by is their defense. They've been really kind of stockpiling picks on that side of the right. ball. You look at Miles Garrett, but uh, I, I really am impressed at what they've done. They really kept the saints in check there Sunday in New Orleans, um, but it remains to be seen. But that said, I just have this bad feeling that he will find a way to lose a few more games on his own. He won't have a kicker to scapegoat anymore now that they've signed a new one. But uh, I must say, I, I feel bad for Cleveland fans. Um, I don't know if it's a hard knock effect or what, but um, I really wanted them to win. I was disappointed that they lost that game. And I, I do feel like things are turning around. It's going to take a while, but may, who knows with the rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold, maybe he'll present an opportunity for a win this Thursday night. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know what? The fans in Cleveland, they will always have the Cavaliers of 2016, no matter what happens with the Browns and no matter how, many, how much the Browns disappoint them. But, hey, you know, moving to another team over there in the AFC, and that's the uh, Houston Texans, you know, sitting at 0-2 also right now. And kind of a puzzling loss last week. They've got their ferocious defense, and it was at full strength. You know, J.J. Watt was there, all the rest of the fellas. Uh, uh, Whitney Merciless was there, everybody. And... 
they go up against a Tennessee team that has a banged up offensive line and a backup quarterback, and they still can't get the win. So I wonder what's going on there in Houston. Definitely a huge question mark there. And I think Bill O'Brien's got to be another name on the coaching hot seat already. Too. Um, what you're hearing is there's no pass rush, which I don't get like you outlined Titans line. And let's not call him a backup quarterback. It's Blaine Gabbard, journeyman at best. Um, on top of that, all we hear about is Deshaun Watson's back. He's got his weapons back. Time to throw. The offensive line is atrocious. When are teams going to address these problems? you got a young friend. You better either through free agency or the draft start getting players to protect him. Here with Jared Goff when they sign Whitworth. Uh, it's not that hard to do. The Giants clearly haven't learned that, but that's another story for another time. Um, <laughs> I really don't understand with all that talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball, how they're 0-2 and how if they continue this streak, O'Brien keeps his job. Oh, wait, they get to play the Giants this week. There is hope. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Now, the well, the other thing is maybe Deshaun Watson. Is it possible he's not quite ready? Is he not quite at full strength? Because hey, if you 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 lose just a, a tiny bit of quickness at this level, playing at this level, you know you're not quite as escapable as you used to be. So it could be that he's not quite at full speed and possibly maybe a teeny bit intimidated by the injury that he suffered last year. I could see the speed thing. I really don't doubt this guy's uh, intimidated. I saw what he did two years in a row in the national championship game against Alabama. What I do think, and you know, like a lot of people talk about with uh, Russell Wilson, Seattle, and Eli Manning with the Giants, is guy's got no time to throw. He's getting hit constantly. So whether he's just getting rid of the ball or dumping it off, it's hard to complete a pass when you're under that much duress. Well, I, I would say this. I'd almost give the Giants a little bit of a, of a pass on their 0-2 right now because they did have tough games. They faced Jacksonville the first week, and then it was a, a game against Dallas in Dallas last week. So you, you kind of see them. You can understand. I mean, 0-2 is 0-2, and as Bill Parcells always said, no, your record is, you are what your record says you are. That's that. But I think kind of a little bit of hope for Giants fans. And, you know, Barkley has been playing well, so – just a little bit here and there, and I think the Giants easily, they could be 2-0 instead of 0-2. The same thing, you know, the whole Cleveland Brown thing's kind of happening with the Giants. No reason why they couldn't have won either of those first two games. And they should have, but here's the problem. The line continues to be a tremendous problem. They shuffle Eric Flowers over to the right, and that all stinks. Um, Barkley is basically running for his life and making yardage at <laughs> Out of nothing or what would be negative yards. And then on top of that, look, uh, that was a winnable game in Dallas. If Dallas is an average team, they blow out the Giants. I mean, they just let them hang around that long. And I'm not, I don't, I don't think their defense is that formidable. What worries me even more is the schedule. You're at Houston, then you've got the Saints coming to town. They end up playing the Packers Thursday night against the world champion Eagles, and then a Monday night game in Atlanta. They don't this weekend. They're looking 0 and 6 potentially, 0 and 7 if they don't address these problems so while i agree with you there's room for optimism the schedule disagrees right <laughs> okay so you know it's time to go ahead and get into uh, one of our favorite parts we'll get into the picks of the week and then after that we'll have our gamblers delight picks and then after that some expert fantasy football advice right here on nfl football talk which is an inside sports production but before we get into that mr lardieri uh you have some pearls of wisdom for the football fans out there Absolutely. I mean, I hit on this earlier, and we've seen it the first two weeks in the NFL. Last year's theme was you need a backup quarterback 
Jack and Nick Foles proved that uh, we are geniuses for recommending that. This year, it's a kicker. What I've noticed is there are a lot of teams going with young, inexperienced kickers. What I think it is is a salary cap issue. You look at uh, Dan Bailey got cut in, in Dallas, for instance, and they, they went with a young kicker. It didn't cost as much as he did. And then the age factor, too, I'm sure came into play. But you need guys in the NFL to get kicks to win games. And not guys that necessarily that can boot 55 yarders as the clock runs out. Guys that can make the extra point, which is more difficult than it used to be. And guys who can make those, uh, you know, 35 to 45 or so field goals, which those ones that should be made to win games or tie games or extend the game, keep your team in the hunt. And the Vikings and Browns learned that the hard way. To their credit, the Vikings went and got Dan Bailey. But uh, I think that's a trend you're going to see going forward. Teams are not going to let kickers botch games shank extra points for long i'm sure you're going to see a revolving door of kickers if this trend continues but uh who would have thought in this salary cap era that kickers would be a casualty uh apparently we learn something new every year in the nfl and and you know i think there's a good message for anyone kicking field goals in college i don't care if you're drafted or not what i would do were i a college uh, i don't care what division if you can kick 30 or 40 yards in division one, you can do it in division two or three or whatever. It doesn't matter. If I can kick a field goal of 35 to 40 yards when I'm in college or even in high school, it doesn't matter. I would, I would keep on kicking. Even when I was non-drafted, go out there to your local field and spend a couple hours kicking every week. Good chance you can, you can get a call from somebody, get your tape out there or whatever. But a chance for all these kickers who were not drafted and you just dream of playing in the NFL, hey, you know what? Stay in shape, keep the leg limbered up, and, uh, you know, keep yourself out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm on the verge of getting my son kicking lessons at this rate. And, and you know, too, you look at one of the best kickers in the league, Greg Zerline's now had his second injury in consecutive years. I mean, this time it was the groin like his back last year. But look at what happened with that team's offense when he left, especially in the play like they, they had to adapt it wasn't like oh we've got a potential for a 50-yard field goal here greg the leg will drill it well that changes things i mean johnny hecker had to come in and kick a field goal on right. sunday against arizona but it changes the strategy of the team too so um even the good kickers get hurt once in a while so i, I think uh i think that's a good career move charles yeah there we go Okay, so you know what, let's go ahead and get into the games of the week here. What we do is we uh, look at the schedule and pick four of the more intriguing matchups, and then we give you our prognostication. After that will be the Gambler's Delight picks, which everyone loves, and then some fantasy football advice before we get on out of here. Uh, last week, um, I managed to go two and two. Chris went uh, one and three last week. So, hey, you know what, it happens, though. But everything is based on very sound uh, – analysis here you can't be right every single week on every game but you know what let's pick a good game here the first one the new orleans saints in atlanta to face the atlanta falcons who somehow as banged up as they were i mean you got your two stars on your defense are out devonta freeman is out and somehow they are victorious over carolina last week who was they were missing greg olson but still it seemed uh you know like a really daunting task for them they're now at home the New Orleans Saints are coming in. Both teams are one and one division rivals. Mr. Lardieri, how do you see this one? Uh, I've been wrong on the Falcons both weeks this year. I thought they'd uh, win in Philly. I didn't thought the Panthers would play them tougher last week. So, uh, now, given my record last week and my uh, my crystal ball, looking forward this week, I wouldn't take much stock in this pick. But I'm going to go with the Saints. 
Uh, I really think that their offense hasn't gotten completely up and running yet. Alvin Kamara's shown signs of his brilliance from last year, but I think there's still room for improvement there. What I do think is, um, and I hit on this last week in my uh, quote-unquote logic that you said was so sound, uh, the Atlanta D is missing starters. and Cam Newton, unfortunately, couldn't capitalize on that. Well, I'll say this week, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, and Kamara can. Um, while I do think the Falcons look good offensively last week, I think the Saints will play a better better game and scheme better. I think they'll revert back to last year's form on that side of the ball. And uh, I'll go with the Saints as the the road upset. Yeah, and I think you're, you're talking about it's pretty much the Saints wideouts versus a banged-up secondary. That's what we're, we're really talking about here. And for those reasons, I'm going to go ahead and take the New Orleans Saints uh, to win this game as well. And that's one thing. So look at it when you're analyzing games. It, it's one thing to look at the overall, but there are specific matchups. I have a team has is banged up or has a weak secondary, and they're playing a team that's got some speedy wideouts, like a, a team like a Kansas City or New Orleans. Hey, you know that's where the matchup is, especially if you've got a quarterback who can really get the ball out there. So for those reasons, I'm going with New Orleans as well. And uh, Chris, we'll go ahead and get to the next game. I'll give you a chance to break down your favorite team here, the New York Giants at 0-2, fighting for their lives in Houston. Houston at 0-2 and fighting for their lives. Yeah, really, someone's got to win this game, uh, unless it ends in the third tie in con three consecutive weeks. But uh, given what I hit on earlier with the Giants, I, I just don't like the way that team's playing. Um, even the defense, which has hung around, can only do so much with their best pass rusher, Olivier Vernon, out. Um, I just think with the, the shape of the Giants line and the fact that the Houston front seven's been so quiet these first two weeks, I think they wake up. Even if on the offset offensive side of the ball, um, Watson really can't get things going, I do think they'll be able to control the ball and at least score enough points to win. Could be ugly, could be a slugfest, but I'm going to pick the Texans. Okay, and well, you know, this may be the law of averages talking here. Maybe it's maybe I'm a little bit more enamored with Eli and his two rings than I should be, and maybe I'm a little overly optimistic about what Saquon Barkley can do out there, but. I got to go against you here, and I'm going to take the Giants to get their first win of the season. I think there's also a, you know, an experience factor, which I may be, you know, putting too much weight in that as well. But two desperate teams. I'm going to go ahead with the more desperate team with the veteran uh, quarterback than the other desperate team with a younger quarterback who I don't know if he's, uh, you know, is really ready to to win a game like this yet. And if the game, if this game is won, though, I think it's going to be Houston's dominating defense that does it. Uh, I don't think it'll necessarily be about uh, Watson outperforming Eli. But, hey, if Watson returns to form and starts putting up points, that's fantastic. But I don't think it's going to happen this week. I'm going to go ahead with the Giants on this one. From a personal perspective, I, I like your pick. But uh, professionally, I'll just disagree with you. <laughs> okay, there we go. Okay, so speaking of desperation, the one-on-one -on -one Dallas Cowboys, they got to go to the great Pacific Northwest to face another desperate team, the 0-2 Seattle Seahawks. Dallas, like I said, I thought they were going to take a little bit of a, a turn for the worst this season. Uh, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, they're still doing okay. They squeaked out a win over, you know, your deficient Giants squad. The uh, Seattle hasn't really been able to get uh, a whole lot going, but Russell Wilson still, I think, is – as magic as any quarterback out there. So I'm going to take, I'm going to go ahead with Seattle at home. 0-2, it's a game they have to win. 
And like I said, I think with uh, Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott, not quite the force that they were last season. I'm going to say Seattle's defense, even though there's only, I think, only two guys back from the, the original Legion of Boom defense are still left on that team. But I'm going to go ahead with, uh, with Seattle playing at home, the magic of the 12th man. Uh, Seattle wins this game. I'm going to agree with you. I think they're two. It's going to be an ugly game. That's the bottom line. But I do think with the Seahawks being at home and the fact that uh, while the Cowboys did well against Dallas, against the Giants last week in Dallas, um, I don't think they're going to play that well on the road. I think if you stop Ezekiel Elliott and dare Dak Prescott to to beat you, that's usually a recipe for success. Um, not that impressed with the Seattle offensive line either, but I do feel that Russell Wilson is far more mobile than Eli is and could probably scramble or evade the rush to make some plays happen. So I'll go with the Seahawks. Yep, there you go. And, you know, that well, that Bears-Seahawks game was, was great last week, and it shows how just how great Khalil Mack is for that Bears defense, even though we're not uh, picking a Bears game this week. But let's go ahead and get to the fourth game, and that will be uh, Monday night game. And two teams, surprisingly, the 0-1-1 Steelers in Tampa to face – the 2-0 Tampa Bay Buccaneers with uh, Ryan Fitzmagic there as the quarterback, throwing for 400 yards in back-to-back -back weeks. How do you see this one? Yeah, well, I, I do think it's extremely impressive what the Buccaneers have done so far, beating the, uh, the world champion Eagles and going into New Orleans and beating a playoff team down there. Um, I just can't see the Steelers with all their tumult falling to 0-3. Um, no disrespect to the Buccaneers, but I just think they've got too much talent on the offensive side of the ball. Could be a shootout given the way the uh, Steelers' defense fell behind so early to uh, the, the new phenom of the NFL, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. Um, I, I just think the Steelers get things together. I, I think Connor really can control the ball on the ground. Uh, Big Ben's got enough targets to throw to. Maybe Antonio Brown can go make a Facebook video or something and get his frustrations out. But uh, I think at some point Ben's got to hook up with him. So I'm going to pick the Steelers. Well, I think the Steelers are – it's a little bit one-dimensional now with Connor at running back, and you don't have the – just the dynamic threat that Le'Veon Bell is. And You can talk about Connor's numbers, and it's not – with Bell, it's not the necessarily the number of the yards per carry, but the fact of what he can do on any given play when he gets the ball. Now, that element is out, although Connor's getting good production. Now, the other part is the Steelers' defense has been vulnerable to giving up chunk yardage. And when I, when I look at this, Deshaun Jackson is feeling re-energized because he has a quarterback who can get in the ball. I look for Deshaun Jackson to get loose on a couple of big plays out here. And Tampa Bay, Fitzmagic may not throw for 400 yards, but I think he's going to play well enough to – get the Buccaneers to 3-0, and and when he does that, oh my goodness, the turmoil in Steel Town is going to be horrible. It's going to be as tumultuous as it was when the mills started closing down there. <laughs> well, if they do, and I hope you wear a uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Connor McGregor, whatever that outfit was he wore on Sunday, you should wear that <laughs> next week in honor of him. Yeah, you know, I go to NFL shop, and I never thought there'd be a run on Ryan Fitzpatrick jerseys, but they're somehow they're back ordered right now, so I'm having trouble getting one. So <laughs> here we go. Uh, okay, so we both agree that we take New Orleans to uh, take care of business in Atlanta. We split on the Giants and Houston. I'm going with the Giants while Chris goes with Houston. Uh, Dallas and Seattle, we both see Seattle winning at home. And then uh, Pittsburgh at 
Tampa Bay, I think the Buccaneers stay hot, whereas Mr. Lardieri is going with the Steelers and the experience. Okay, so, hey, this is our favorite segment here coming up. Uh, this is our Gambler's Delight special. Now, we don't advocate gambling here just for entertainment purposes, or maybe if you're walking by the sports book in Vegas or maybe New Jersey, wherever you are, you got 20 bucks burning a hole in your pocket. Everybody likes to make a football bet here and there. So we draw on our vast knowledge of the game to possibly give you something that will hey, uh, help you make some money there. Last week we were kind of unsuccessful. Chris picked Carolina against Atlanta, lost that by one point. I figured that Houston, with their ferocious defense and against a banged-up offensive line for Tennessee and a backup quarterback for Tennessee, would be able to uh, cover a one-and-a-half-point spread. They didn't cover it. In fact, they lost the game, so that's how I lost. But as you can see, it's based on sound reasoning. That said, Chris, what have you got for us this week? Your gambler's delight pick. So my uh, forte is to pick underdogs. Uh, probably should have gone with the Chiefs last week instead of the Panthers, but those uh, extra couple points I thought would be enough. And sure enough, I fell one point short. But uh, this week, they're, they're the dogs that are – out there that kind of caught my eye um jets on a thursday night getting three hard to read that game i mean those are those are two teams we can't really figure out what they are yet uh broncos getting five and a half in baltimore the way baltimore plays especially at home um while i do think the broncos can stay in this game that's one of those games i could see uh, the bronco the the ravens pulling away and winning by seven and you got the colts getting six and a half uh against the Eagles. Come on, Vegas, at least give me seven or something there. So so Vegas really is on to something this week with the line. So when all else fails, I'll put my money where my mouth is and uh, not very convincingly this week, but I'll take the New Orleans Saints. And given that I thought they'll beat the Falcons outright, Vegas says I could have three points if I don't feel that comfortable. At the very least, what the heck, they lose by a field goal, I push, it's better than a loss. But considering that I think the uh, – the Saints will win. Technically, they're underdog. I'll pick them this week with my gambler's delight pick. Okay. Well, hey, you know, I like that pick, and I, too, uh, pondered a couple of them. What was the L.A. Rams? Uh, I thought they would easily cover the spread against uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. But you say with, with Greg Zerline out, we don't have the automatic field goals anymore. So that game could be closer than we think. So I'm going to stay away from that one. Also looked at the over-under in that, in that New Orleans-Atlanta game. It could be a shootout, but... Don't know how many points. And, and New Orleans has not been as explosive this year. I'm going to stay away from that one. My pick, though, I'm going with uh, playing the over. The uh, over-under is 53.5. The Monday night game, Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is going to keep on throwing it all over the yard. We know Ben likes to go deep. we got Antonio Brown. There's potential for fireworks there. I'm going to say go ahead, Monday night game, play the over uh, 53.5 with Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. And that's my gambler's delight pick for this week. I will categorize that as good sound logic. Even if you lose, I like it. Um, if I were to break that game down, I couldn't have done it any better myself. So um, when the under does come in, we'll just throw up our hands in defeat. <laughs> exactly. And it happens, folks. That's like I say, gambling is fun. But remember, just keep it for fun. Don't don't put your mortgage payment on and things like that. You know, I don't want to get thrown down and peed on in Central Park. So don't start putting that kind of money on it. <laughs> yeah. All right. All those of you who get that joke, you're going to be laughing like heck. And anyone who doesn't ask somebody else, they'll explain it to you. So, look, that's our Gambler's Delight pick. Let's go ahead and move on. 
a man with wealth of experience in uh, in this area. That is fantasy football. I myself do not play fantasy football. I'm not even going to pretend because anyone who actually plays it would know that I did not know what I'm talking about. However, Mr. Lardieri, a veteran of many, many years of successful uh, fantasy football. So, Chris, you have the stage. Fantasy football advice, everybody, get the pens and paper ready. All right. Given that my team is 0-2, I may need to be stripped of the title, but thank you for the kind words. Um, as we hit on in the outset, not only has the league been unusual this year and people coming out of nowhere to, to put up tremendous stats like the Ryan Fitzpatrick's and Patrick Mahomes of the world, uh, fantasy football nation has been just as crazy. And you look to hitting on that Josh Gordon trade to the Patriots. I know he was a popular target in uh, in waiver wires around the, the world in fantasy football circles this week. I say stay away. Look, the guy's extremely talented. People think he's going to be the next Randy Moss from when he was traded to the Raiders to the Pats. He may very well be, but the guy can't play a full season. Uh, we don't know if he's in shape. He showed up to training camp late. However, that said, I think he's going to be a fantastic decoy for any Patriot players you own, whether that be Tom Brady, Chris Hogan. Uh, you look at the running backs like Sony Michelle and James White or even Rob Gronkowski. Teams are going to have to account for Gordon when he's on the field. That opens up lanes, opportunities for other players. Um, kind of an odd week. There are really guys out there like Giovanni Bernard. I saw someone pay uh, $42 of their uh, their fab budget to pick him up on waivers this week just because Joe Mixon's out two to four weeks. I mean, that's a lot of money. If you're going to rent them for a couple weeks, great. But I say stay back, look for the deeper guys you could stash, and hopefully it will produce later in the year. And a couple of those guys, got Aaron Jones, running back Green Bay, coming off a two-game suspension. Last year, late in the year, when he got his chance to play, he really made the most of it, had a nice game against Tampa Bay. Jamal Williams hasn't done anything impressive running the ball in Green Bay. I think he's a good option to look at as a running back. Um, in terms of receivers, uh, I do like John Brown. This is a guy I've had for a couple times over the years in Arizona. Never really you know, got his chance and ran with it per se, but Joe Flacco has been targeting him. He's looked good through two games. I think he's a guy who could be a good number three wide receiver on your team, and as he builds a rapport with Flacco, he may even be getting more targets as the year goes on. On uh, Denver, there's a running back, Philip Lindsay, a rookie. Everyone thought week one was a fluke. He had another nice game against the the Raiders stash him. We know the Broncos like to do the running back by committee, but at some point he may inevitably be the starter. I think he's worked. Finally, we mentioned this earlier, Dan Bailey's going to kick for the Vikings, and if the Vikings don't get in the end zone, they're probably going to be somewhere in or around the red zone, and Bailey was an accurate kicker with Dallas. Take him. I mean, I think he's going to have ample opportunities to kick and score this year. you got to realize eight is home. Eight of his home games will be indoors in Minnesota of another indoor road game in Detroit. And that always bodes well for kickers. Uh, and then finally, a um, couple matchups I was looking at this week where offenses really might be able to open it up. Um, the Texans-Giants, uh, if neither team's defense shows up, I mean, this might be the elixir both struggling offenses need. So you look at the uh, Deshaun Watsons and DeAndre Hopkins of the world or even OBJ and Saquon Barkley. Could be their chance to break out. Struggles here. Don't give up on them yet. Uh, Chargers, Rams. Look, these are teams who uh, on paper have two good defenses, but I think this is going to be a, a, a high-scoring game, especially for the Rams with Joey Bosa out for the Chargers. I mean, that really affects their pass rush. So look for Rams receivers and, of course, Todd Gurley to have big games. Um, and then finally, you're looking for a defense this week. I mean, times are getting tough. I had the Chargers defense, for instance. I can't play them against the Rams. The Rams. There's some teams out there, easy, and I'm uh, talking 
out of my rear end, but that Jets-Browns game presents a case where you might see a lot of turnovers, low-scoring game. Either of those teams are good defenses to pick up this week. And you may even want to look at consider the Cowboys, even though they're going into Seattle, given the fact the struggles that Russell Wilson and his old line have had, they may be able to force a few turnovers or keep the score low. So uh, as crazy as things are, my last piece of advice to you, fantasy football owners, stay calm, monitor waiver wire, don't go crazy, don't give up on your star players. Yeah, Antonio Brown struggling, for instance. Yeah, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick's outscoring Drew Brees, but over time, these things are going to even out and keep the faith. There we go. Okay, everybody. And thank you for that advice, Mr. Lardier. And remember, hey, watch us every week through the season here. It's NFL Football Talk Inside Sports Production. Follow me on Twitter at The Inside Sports. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. And uh, before we get on out of here, we always give some final words. In fact, I just have one this week. I normally don't, but it was uh, something happened at the, towards the end of the the game last week with the Houston Texans in Tennessee, I guess uh, someone got in hot water there in the Houston area because they said that uh, when, I guess, uh, Deshaun Watson held on the ball a little bit too long on the final play of the game, didn't give him time to kick what would be a game-winning field goal. And he said that, uh, you know, you can't trust a, something along the lines of you can't trust a black quarterback during crunch time. And, of course, you know, makes the Internet now. There's a whole furor and everything, and everybody wants discipline. I don't understand. Now, I understand that racism is a bad thing, but, you know, do you really deserve to lose your livelihood over just a certain style of quarterbacking that you don't, uh, that you don't agree with? So until you believe that uh, you like the style that has been shown by a majority of black quarterbacks over the years, you, you shouldn't be able to get a, hold a job in the United States. I think we all need to just kind of calm down off all this stuff. The guy has no history of anything else. Uh, that was just a statement that he made. Hey, it's like my dad used to say when we were watching football. And my dad is the most non-racist guy there is. But he used to say if he had a team, he says, he would always have some big, slow white boys on the team because they are where they're supposed to be and they make the plays that they're supposed to make. Are you saying the big, slow black guys can't make the same plays? No, it has nothing to do with it. Everybody just needs to chill. Okay, Mr. Lardieri, you have the floor. Uh, well, uh, look, I'd rather have Deshaun Watson on, on my team, uh, regardless of color or how he handles okay. the, uh, the red zone late in the game than Eli Manning. No disrespect, Eli, I love you. You won two huge Super Bowls over Tom Brady. But uh, to that guy, I say uh, I'll take Deshaun Watson off your hands. And, and then, too, look, this goes back to the whole thing with kneeling. Um, say what you want. Uh, people don't understand there's a freedom of speech in this country. I can go and say, I hate the president, the Supreme Court, Congress, you name it, and I'm not going to get thrown in jail and or beheaded. However, if you have a job or anything else, you can get fired for anything you say or do. I mean, you can yep. send an email with a, you know, kind of a harmless joke. Um, you call it what you want, political correctness and the world run amok, but that's just the way it is, people. And then when you put it on social media, I tell my kids this, there's there's no erase button. So remember that, boys and girls. Yep, there you go. Okay, everybody. Great way to end it. And uh, hopefully this, this uh, Thursday night game with the Jets in Cleveland turns out to be magnificent. And remember, follow me on Twitter, at The Inside Sports. Follow Chris on Twitter, at Chris L Sports. And for Mr. Chris Lardieri, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. Thank you for listening. We'll see everybody next week on NFL football talk. 
Looking for an edge? The next time you take on your favorite video game, look no further than Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale game, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. <laughs>